The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. It is a Tuesday. A look at the markets, which you might have wondered. And I, uh, Sam Hudson joins us, by the way, from Corn Belt Marketing. And I, Sam, I think you hit it best when you said, is my internet working today? Because markets were so slow, you may have thought things weren't refreshing like they should. But it could be a lot worse. And we've seen worse. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely the theme of the day at the Board of Trade, uh, even at the CME as well in the livestock markets. But at the end of the day, um, you know, where we started off lower on a lower note, uh, pretty much crawled, crawled our way back throughout the day uh, with corn and beans finishing really near the highs. And I think this is just a reflection of the fact uh, that everyone's kind of waiting for this fundamental, you know, data dump. Uh, I personally think the stuff coming down the pipe after Friday may end up being more important, both the U.S.-Chinese trade negotiations, obviously, and how that unfolds in the weeks ahead after the Lunar New Year's over uh, this week, um, but as well as February 22nd, where USDA is going to dump six weeks of export data uh, onto us and seeing what kind of movement we've done you know, in that time frame could prove even more pivotal than, than what they're going to release even Friday. You know, there is so much information that's coming at us on Friday, though. I think there is some nervousness. And to hear you say we need to look beyond that because more information is coming, more information is going to have an effect, I think, even more than this February 8th report. Yeah, in, in, in turn, you know, who wants to take a, a significant position size in an environment like that, whether it's up or down? So I, I think uh, it's just tough for me to really get bought into the fact that, uh, you know, we're going to see major, major adjustments on, on our total production um, from this last year from a yield or harvest acre standpoint or whatever. Uh, if, if I'm honest, some of the numbers I'm, if we assume that's true, some of the numbers I'm looking for are really uh, winter wheat planted acreage, what's that look like, and where do we stand in our stocks as far as, uh, you know, are we keeping up and, and what's still sitting around? Well, you bring up a lot of uh, interesting points because, you know, we've gone so long, as I heard one producer put it, we've been starved for information that I think they're just kind of clamoring to this thinking that it's going to move the world but be prepared it might not yeah I, I think that's a great great way to explain it and uh and all honesty there's some participants out there including myself that maybe haven't m- missed the usda data uh, it's not that we like to argue what it says uh, and if not for nothing it at least serves as a as a, re- a point of reference for the market so i think that's good uh and i think that's the positive light that will come out of this is in one side of the coin it, it reminds us of where we're at that can be a good thing and a bad thing for the soybean market maybe more of a bad thing because it's just a reminder of what stocks are still sitting around and the fact that it's february 5th but it's also like you mentioned is you know once you get in that uh kind of habit of being trained where every month you've got an event uh we haven't had that for a little while here and it's kind of getting back into that uh that routine we continue to see some some poor margins when it comes to ethanol what's it going to take to turn this around well, we need to see, you know, the energy markets, when they fell down, it just happened so quickly. You know, we saw a historic break in the crude oil market, um, you know, in large part of the back half of last year. And, and while we have been recovering slowly here over the last couple of months, uh, if we can't just go straight up in the same fashion, it's going to take quite a while for everything to kind of come back into line. And typically, uh, of late, it seems like if we can keep crude above $55 a barrel mark, uh, it supports the idea that reformulated gasoline can also kind of inch its way higher. And that's what we really need to to improve um, you know, ethanol demand, I guess, in general, or corn use for ethanol demand. Typically, you need a 20-cent premium of reformulated gasoline Arbaba over alcohol futures to really infuse that blending and really get things going again. Uh, and you know, with 
a lot of noise and stuff going on with these, uh, you know, refinery waivers and stuff like that that is still going to be in the news here moving forward. But as it sits today, uh, we're just not seeing a big enough premium to really infuse that ethanol blending. Uh, I, I do, you know, have a pretty good idea. You know, handle and, and, and thought process that the energy markets may have bottomed, but it doesn't mean they just go straight up. And as long as we can consolidate at least between $50 a barrel and $60 a barrel, you hope that, you know, everything can kind of normalize again and we can get into a normal swing of things. But as I said today, uh, you know, this is one of the numbers uh, on Friday that I would be look, looking for a cut in. Uh, I don't know why we wouldn't see a reduction of at least 25 million uh, bushels of corn used uh, for ethanol. And again, on the supply side, uh, it, do we see a yield or harvest acres cut? Do we see any changes in exports? I just don't think you can change those numbers in a big way in the corn market. Did we possibly put too many eggs in one basket when it came to the ethanol as China was talking about ramping up and and the need for it? Yeah, and I think a lot of that's going to come, you know, at the earliest, earliest, you know, it would be first quarter of 2020 potentially. But that's a whole other, uh, you know, issue of smoke and mirrors is what do they really have over there? If you remember back in, what was it, early November, maybe the second week in November, they came out and revised 10 years of data and basically said their domestic stocks were twice what they thought they were. So can you believe that number? Maybe. But if, we, if they were that far off over the course of 10 years, could you believe the original number, the new number? Uh, do they just need, you know, U.S. corn eventually for blend stock because some of those supply are so old and, and out of condition. I mean, there's a lot of moving targets, you know, with them. I, I think uh, at this point, you just try to have to t- stay sane, or excuse me, t- stay sane, and, and kind of look at the long-term big picture. Um, you know, for example, soybeans. You know, who knows how much demand is going to come to the U.S. versus Brazil? Let's just look at how much we have in the world as it sits today, and how overall demand to China ha- has been ebbing and flowing to kind of get a handle on where we need to be. Well, speaking of China, we did get some more purchases from them announced yesterday. So. Can we say they're going to hold true to what they say they're going to purchase? Well, so far we can. <laughs> you know, a lot of these, <laughs> a lot of these purchases, I, and I do believe that we can believe them this time around. I think at the end of the day, they're still going to want to have access to some of those supplies. You know, so if they commit to it now, regardless of what happens with these trade talks, they can decide to take delivery of that, or they can decide to say, "Hey, you know, we don't want this anymore." And that would be under the assumption that the wheels completely fall off this negotiation uh, time frame that that's over March first. Um, I think the key point is going to be beyond this. You know, first of all, can they come to a full blown agreement? I don't know if they can in this kind of type of time frame, but I think best case scenario, they continue to keep the positive track at least and maybe elongate this deal uh, that, that eventually is going to be a comprehensive deal, but for now is kind of a step by step approach. You know, we talked about being starved for data, and I tell you, it is though nice to see those export numbers being talked about in a daily commentaries. It is, and it keeps the market uh, afloat in the sense that there, there is still that buzz kind of in the air. Um, again, I, I think even though we have sold another 5 million metric tons, that, that you know, presumably adds up to 10 million metric tons total. Well, stick around, folks. We've got more coming up. Sam Hudson joins us with Corn Belt Marketing. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're being joined today by Sam Hudson with Corn Belt Marketing. Let's look uh, south of the border. South America, Brazil harvest is underway, though not a lot of numbers being shared at this point. We do know that right now they've got some decent harvest conditions going on. Yeah, the weather down there has definitely improved and has been on the mend. And, and without question, there's going to be crop losses. I mean, we talked about weather for long enough. You're going to have something like that take place. Um, the average trade guess coming into Friday's uh, report for Brazilian bean crop is 
uh, I believe around 117 uh, million metric tons. And if you remember when we started this whole thing, uh, you know, the, we were seeing numbers of 125 to 127. So we've taken a pretty good chunk of that crop and gone backwards with it. Um, there have been some more extreme uh, estimates here even earlier this week uh, that were as low as 101 or 102. I think that's a little bit far-fetched. But between 110 and 115, I think, is a probably reasonable number to look at for a final number from them. But at the end of the day, you know, we're going to sit here and ask ourselves, does it really matter? If you look at our world bean supplies in general, it uh, looks like we're still going to have enough. And uh, with the trade war situation between U.S. and China, you know, I, I don't know how much more we can garner, at least in the short term. And one point to make, uh, you know, during the front or early part of their harvest, we haven't really been hearing a lot of reports of horrible yields. And typically, if you're going to be seeing those, it's going to be all over social media uh, and just going to be kind of a buzz. So I think a gradual reduction there is what we should expect. And again, at the end of the day, it uh, doesn't matter. We'll take anything we can get, but uh, we're in a situation where we've continued to raise you know, record or near record crops here in the U.S. on record acres, and we just got a lot of this stuff sitting around. Jump over to the livestock side. Cattle market kind of nice as we started out yesterday with some definite high iron numbers. Are we seeing some follow through uh, as we continue today? Man, you just cannot, you know, take the uh, underpinning on, on the prices here on these front months away. He had the f- February up almost a buck again today. Uh, back months all in tow, but to a lesser degree. Uh, feeders, uh, you know, the pretty weak uh, m- middle of the session, and we're able to kind of claw their way back too. I think it's very similar to the corn and beans in the sense that we've just remained in a general range. Um, as long as we see these back month cattle stay supported, I, I think we can remain optimistic. I think a uh, big thing that's going to be happening over the next 60 days is just the market's reaction and the cash. Uh, arena to weather kind of improving, you know, going from this really cold temperatures to warmer, and maybe now we're looking at more of a normal pattern where we can at least dry things out and or at least freeze things up and, and keep things in, uh, in better health and condition and, and get some stuff replaced. What are your thoughts on, on the feeder cattle market? Are we just seeing some maybe some limited pressure on them? You know, again, I think it's short-term versus long-term. I think with some of the, you know, these placements are maybe going to be backed up and then maybe hit us all at once once things improve and these fat cattle can get moved. So you wonder, is this March and April contract coming forward here, if we can still shoot that market higher against the March contract or if it's going to be April? Uh, I would not rule out the possibility of still seeing, uh, you know, 150-plus trade in these markets, but we got to keep the momentum going in live cattle, especially in the back months. Uh, otherwise, you know, the broad range, I think, in the feeder market of the short term is, is, is probably just below. 140 all the way up to just above 150 i don't think you can get outside of that range and right now we're just in a pretty narrow one uh on this front month between 145 and really 142 um so yeah looks good so is there any do you see any weather struggles out there for this cattle market considering how cold it has been got a nice little warm-up and bam we're back into cold weather again well i mean really i think a lot of people would like to see it just freeze up and stay (laughs) stay consistent (laughs) at least you know um, a lot of the snow has been melting out there. Uh, you know, that creates a problem with the short term where things just get kind of sloppy all over again. But I think if we can, uh, again, normalize this to a extent where we can see at least freezing temperatures overnight to kind of firm things up and keep keep, uh, and keep these animals healthy, I think it's really going to help the market and encourage that movement to, um, you know, get it shifted over to the packer, get that stuff out of here so that we can get these feeders, you know, purchased and, re- and keep those uh, uh you know, supplies replaced, I guess, on a consistent basis. What about for the hogs, Sam? I know we've had some limited selling for them going on. Yeah, we had a great day yesterday. Um, you know, I think the positive light I would look for in there is that with a move like you had yesterday, there's enough capitulation in the market to, 
at least perk some years up. So shorts are going to kind of take a look at that. Would not be surprised at all to see some stops run above those highs if we can trade back through there now. And something that uh, I've been really keeping a close eye on here over the last month or so is the Lean Hog Index. Uh, you know, we made lows late in the year. The market recovered pretty well, uh, made it to almost 60 bucks. Um, and it's kind of set back here. As long as we can keep that cash index above 55 and, and on the mend for higher, uh, would not be surprised at all to see these futures, you know, follow that lead. Uh, but part of this could also hinge on what China does here in the next few weeks with trade uh, and just what that looks like with African swine fever long term. But it's kind of twofold. You know, they're calling a lot of a lot of hogs over there. And at the same time, they're also not necessarily replacing that either. So at some point, that's going to really hit the market. But you just wonder, is that spread out over you know, a couple of quarters, a couple of years? You know, how long is it going to take to really figure it out? And again, it's kind of another smoke and mirrors topic here. And many, yeah. And many hoping to see some of that benefit come back to the U.S. when it comes to purchases and maybe some replacement sows down the road. Absolutely. And I... I I don't think it's too far-fetched to think that beef could be involved in this thing at some point long-term as well. What is the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sam? 1-800-655-3380 or www.cormeltmarketing.com. And, of course, follow him on Twitter as well and get some great commentary as well there. Sam Hudson joining us today from Corn Belt Marketing. Thanks to Fontenelle and all the local Fontenelle dealers. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network.